Hello, welcome to episode 196 of NCP. My name is David, and we meet the NCP crew. Richard. I am Richard. And Luke. I debate whether you're Richard, but I do not debate whether I'm Luke. In fact, that debate is not open to, open to question. I am Luke, and I will kill you all. Do we in the Batman voice? I am Luke. And Crystal. He thinks he protests too much. I doubt that he is Luke. <laughs> yeah, in fact, where's the proof? The proof is sitting right before you. The proof here. is in the pudding. Mm. The proof will come when he reviews mm. something. Luke, the, the Luke, human, Luke covered in pudding. I art. give this introduction zero looks. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing 196 of them. <laughs> there's, you know, there's only so much you can do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> it should mean that you should have experience. The previous 195 should have experience for 196. That's exactly right. Um, I haven't written this running sheet very well, so I'm going to just... Because I've done 196, I'm going to go off the cuff. For this episode, we have a top five, our top five animated films. And that's films, not not TV shows. Okay, well, it might be a top four then. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Crystal will be reviewing a... Is, is it a TV show? A TV series? Uh, miniseries? I would call it a miniseries. The BBC series. Arthur and George. Arthur and George. Excellent. I'm very excited. And I'll be interviewing Milo Cawthorn, uh, who you may know I mentioned from... Uh, my review of Deathgasm, one of the greatest movie titles ever. Deathgasm. Uh, I am actually, I'm, I'm interviewing him on, on behalf of uh, Bounty Films for their screening of Blood Punch. Um, which, another awesome title. Which is another cool title. <laughs> uh, but sounds uh, like, so to interrupt, but that sounds like um, uh, the, sh- the movie within the show in Community, which is called Kick Puncher. <laughs> Which is basically Robocop, but Robocop who, you know, only kicks and punches. Hence right. the name, Kick Puncher. No, it's not no, it's not quite that silly. <laughs> but it's 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 uh, it's along those along those sort of vein. The preview will be for itchy and scratchy. <laughs> uh but uh Milo was awesome, so as as you will hear for yourself uh when I, when I play the interview. Um he was very, very cool dude. Let's start off with top five. Okay. That was a rambling intro. That, that is what it is. Rambling intro. <laughs> 196 of the been counting. <laughs> <laughs> Top five animated films. I liked it when we go around and do our fives and fours and threes and twos and ones, so we're going to do that again because I'm in charge. He thinks he's in charge. And I've got a uh, honourable mentions as long as my arm. All right, so. <laughs> uh, and I'm going first. God damn go it. Top five animated films, number five. Five, 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 five. five. I had Monsters, Inc. Five. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven twelve. twelve. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> no, number five. Monsters, Inc. Yes, um, a, a Pixar movie with... Um, Mike Wazowski. Yep, Mike Wazowski. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a comedy classic, and uh, it's, it's also one of those ones that tug on your heartstrings. It's... Uh, some may may think why was Toy Story not there, but uh, I prefer Monsters Inc. Do you obviously, um, I don't deny Toy Story is genius, but Monsters Inc. is the one that gets me right right here. Right in the face. I just have to point out that I'm I'm t- tapping my chest, not my groin area or anything like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's right, because we were all wondering what you were doing. Wait until it gets to number one. That's, <laughs> that's when right. the head starts to move down when I, when slowly I, but surely. When I get to Felix the Cat or. or uh, <laughs> Fritz the cat. That's really? Right. Anyway, whatever. he's the wonderful, wonderful cat. He's, he's, the, he's actually the, he's a family friendly one. I was, I was thinking of the other, and of course Luke knows. Anyway, uh, it's a it's a real heart heart uh, thing. <laughs> and, uh, and the animation on Sully's fur is unbelievable. 
Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. Well, as I don't have a number five, because somebody wouldn't let me cheat and choose, it's a, cheating. And choose a Star Trek animated series. It's films. <laughs> um, I'll also say Monsters, Inc., because I, too, have not seen Toy Story. And I didn't say I didn't see Toy Story. <laughs> I've seen that. Toy Story. I have not seen Toy okay, Story. Okay, cool. What? <laughs> Disgrace. <laughs> Richard. All right, my number five is kind of a cheat, but not. So what? He's allowed to cheat. No, 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 no. no that's, it's not a cheat, though. It has to be a film. Yep. Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, well, that's fine. It's still a film. <laughs> it's a film. It had a cinematic release. And that's it had a cinematic release in Australia, certainly. Yeah. Um, but let's face facts. I chose it because Batman: The Animated Series is just awesome. It is my favorite, pretty much my favorite cartoon of all time. But the film itself holds up. And the, well, I was getting, I was getting to that. I was getting to that. The film itself, it's it's kind of a take on the the Reaper story from Batman Year Two, but it's actually done, I think, a bit better than that story was. And it's just awesome. Like it is just, it's you know their, their first movie release, and they just pulled out all the stops, and I loved it. Just fantastic, and and it really does sum up everything that is awesome about the animated series. So I don't think that's really a cheat. It's kind of. I don't think it's a cheat either. You're the, you're the one that said it was a cheat. Yeah, that's true. It had a cinematic <laughs> release and therefore it's not a cheat. Yeah. Unlike the Star Trek anime. <laughs> I think one of my films did not have a cinematic release, but it is still a film. Oh. Uh, well, we'll get to that. We'll, get, we'll have that conversation about what the I difference. could be wrong. It might have. Look, um, I'm going to sort of bookend my top five list. Mm. Um, and it'll be, what my number one will probably become clearer when I talk about my number five. My number five is a film called Allegro Non Troppo. Right. Mm. Which is an Italian film, Italian, Spanish. Um, basically, <laughs> they're all the same. <laughs> it's somewhere, somewhere in Europe. Somewhere in Europe. That's um, racist, dude. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> just saying. It's, just, it's not racist. It's ignorant. ignorant yeah, yeah that's the difference. And it is effectively um, a group of classical musicians who sit around playing music, and we have animated sequences segments to go with that. Oh, so it's like the European Fantasia. Did it come out first? It came out afterwards, yeah. much, much later. Um, but the... It, it, yeah, like, like 1940s or something? Yeah, Fantasia in the 40s. Um, but Fantasia, which we'll talk about later on, obviously, mm. that's going to be number one. Oh, um, <laughs> sorry yes. about that. <laughs> no, 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 well, no, I spoiled it, because I said, you know, once okay. I talk about this, it's right. going to be obvious my number one is. Um, uh, it, this took a much more satirical bent. Mm. So, for instance, it's got a, um, a dinosaur sequence, like Fantasia, but um, it's all centred around a Coke bottle. Product placement um, and more, more, um, mam- more. It, it that sort of being the thing that sort of kickstarts the <laughs> mammalian um, revolution. But it's also got a nice sequence involving um, a house cat trying to um, live its lonely existence in this big empty house. Um, um, so it, 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 it's not just um, a ripoff on Fante. You know, they do actually try and create some. Um, interesting animated sequences themselves. It's just that you know, once you once you know what Fantasia is and you're sort of in on the gag, that's sort of what it becomes. Gotcha. Um, but I remember loving this um, as a kid um, and enjoyed it many years later when I saw it again. Awesome. Number four, 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 four. I have number Alice- four. <laughs> Can't help yourself. I have Alice in Wonderland from Disney. Uh, I'm at, at Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, well, Alice Through the Looking Glass is one of my favourite books of all time, and uh, I think the Disney version of it, although it does take liberties, of course, because that's what Disney does, um, is still magnificent and still holds up today, and I used to watch it in my childhood, many moons ago, almost every day. Like, this competed with Back to the Future for, you know, 
well, back Best Picture was more my teens, but you know, it was it was uh, it was a, a almost daily viewing, and uh, I just love it. It's 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 imagination and use of color, and even the songs. I usually am anti songs, but uh, I don't like music. I'm a grumpy old man. <laughs> but, uh, you know, songs in films kind of irritate me sometimes, but even, even the songs work, like especially musicals? the songs that she's singing with the flowers, which is hilarious. You like you like musicals. Yeah, no. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a complicated man. I like good musicals. Moving on, <laughs> Crystal. Good musicals, thank you. There are some. <laughs> they exist. You like the labyrinth? That's a good the There's more than that labyrinth. Um, my number four is uh, one that I'd almost forgotten about until I was trolling through thousands of li- uh, uh, titles to pick my list. Thousands. Thousands, Dave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, no one forced you. Um, uh, I, I watched this movie when I was a child and haven't watched it since, but I remember really enjoying it as a child. The Incredible Mr. Limpet. Awesome. Starring Don Knotts. Um, Don Knotts uh, plays mild-mannered bookkeeper Henry Limpet, and it's, it's set in mid-1941. Although the film's actually made in 1963, four, I don't know, I can't find it, never mind. Um, and he wanted to join the Navy, but he's been rated 4F, so... Uh, Which is a fail. Yeah, it's a fail. But um, apparently when he's visiting Coney Island, he falls into the water and mirac- miraculously gets his wish because he's turned into a fish, and the, and the fish goes on to help the Navy defeat the Nazis. A staple of uh, the magical world of Disney on Sunday afternoons. Yes, that was a it was a combo film too, wasn't it? As in live action and yeah, animation. it started out live it action. Up, yeah, yeah. That goes into animation and then they sort of combined mm-hmm. it. Um, I wish I could find when it was. It's made. awesome. Anyway, yeah. So Don Knotts, Carol Cook, Jack Weston, Andrew Duggan, and so on. Classics of Hollywood. Indeed. <laughs> Yeah, I, wasn't, I must admit, I wasn't actually sure, because one of the ones I had on early on was Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and I was like, oh, I'm not sure whether we can do sort of combo films, live action and animation. You could have so, just emailed me. Yeah, asked, I could have. But, or called. But then I think called the telephone. But then I'd have to associate with you, and I thought, nah. You do that every every second Sunday. I, yeah, guess, I, I, I guess it depends whether the line is. I mean, most of this yeah. film is animated. But, yeah. I mean, then we watched Guardians of the Galaxy last night, and parts of it are animated. Yeah, I see what you're saying. CGI, CGI, yeah. CGI animated. Oh, that's yeah, a good a fair point. point. I didn't really take into, ac- into account CGI. So I, that's I right. kind I, of left that alone, but this is yeah, clearly yeah. animated animated. Yeah. yeah, so because of those sort of yeah, I think, I think sort Roger, of problems, Roger. I just sort of went with yeah. complete animated films. Yeah, so. yeah I'm cool yeah. with Roger. Yeah. That's all right. It's about animation yeah. anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. About it's about stuff. animation. That is true. Well, that probably would have been my number five then. What? <laughs> what was your original double five? Batman. And so Master you, you bumped Marks of the Phantasm out for Roger Roger. No, 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 they're both awesome. Oh, okay, cool. Equal five. Equal also, five. also, let's face facts, Roger would probably be much higher on the list, but... Um, okay, my number four um, is Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Cool. Um, Disney had a bit of a lean period for a while there and then came back on fire with, you know, The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, the Aladdin. Dis- the Disnonesis, nonsense, or whatever. <laughs> 
I haven't taken my insulin yet. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I was about to say, what? I'm not even sure exactly what he's trying to say, but yeah, let's just move yeah, on. Like the, I know we did. They had a renaissance. Renaissance, renaissance yeah, the Disney, renaissance with Disney. Disney, yeah. Dis, 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 renaissance. Okay, yeah, let's move on. He got it. Um, they they did go through a renaissance period in the in the late eighties and early nineties um, during the new romantic period. That's right, <laughs> and I think Beauty and the Beast was actually the highlight for them. First of all, its animation is magnificent. Um, they started employing new animation techniques, as Disney often does, to create things like the brilliant ballroom dancing scene. Um, it has a great story, really fantastic characters. One of my favorite. Uh, Disney villains in Gaston he's just such a prick and such an <laughs> arrogant smart ass prick about it as well but the nice thing just the, the nice thing about Gaston is that unlike say all the previous Disney villains who were big over the supernatural. top supernatural yeah. like Ursula Maleficent um, mm. the queen from Snow White Gaston's just a guy yeah. <laughs> and he's not has no powers and, and there's nothing there's, there's nothing evil about him mm. He's just a scumbag, like an arrogant prick. And we all know them. We've all encountered those guys before. <laughs> we went to school with most of them. Well, we all wanted them to get their comeuppance. And, uh, but um, also, too, um, well, as uh, as Dave, you were saying earlier about music, um, I think the soundtrack for Beauty and the Beast, and in fact for Aladdin and uh, Little Mermaid as well, are huge selling points. Mm. Like uh, Howard Ashburn and Alan Menken, just awesome. Awesome. The awesome. only word. That's right. Look. Three words. Gag me with a spoon. That's four words, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we are on fire. Three words. <laughs> learn some mathematics. <laughs> My response to that is, is, are you commanding us or making an offer? <laughs> Look. It's a married woman. <laughs> yes, and I don't hear you objecting to it. Video. <laughs> yes, um, look. My... Like you, I've got a lot of um, honourable mentions, and so this one I'm going to put. Honourable mentions list. Look at that. My, uh, so this one <laughs> I'm actually going. I'm actually going to thump this up because I don't think anyone else is going to talk about it. It's a French film from the '60s called Fantastic Planet. Oh, cool. Um, and the basic the basic story is that humanity has been conquered and enslaved by a group of gigantic blue aliens. The Kree. Um, what? The Kree. Yeah, not quite. <laughs> it's never revealed to be the creep, but I always thought it was the creep. Um, and one of the, you know, they've, they've kept this house, but, and it follows a, I guess a kind of a, a typical science fiction storyline in which one of the, one of the human house pets, um, becomes free and then helps lead the resistance against the, um, the blue aliens. Do you think L. Ron Hubbard stole the story, that's the story for Battlefield Earth? Elrond Hubbard stole from everyone. Yeah. Like, let's, let's be honest here. Elrond Hubbard. Elrond Hubbard was not a good. I'll just say part of part of the story, maybe. Um, but it's it, you know it's difficult. But it's mm. it was it was the style of animation and some of the visual imagery. Um, you know, there's one sequence where they're in uh, big red um, big red spheres and they're floating through space. You know, it's a very '60s type um, image, but there's just the the qual the the quality of the animation in that moment. You know. It, and the visual uh, representation is just um, awe-inspiring, particularly given that um, it's a not traditional cell animation. There's sort of mm. a bit of a cut-and-paste approach and maybe a bit of rotoscoping here and there as mm. well. Um, but it creates... To, uh, they, they actually managed to create a um, uh, a very otherworldly effect, which is what you know, you'd want from uh, effectively a story about humanity being conquered by giant blue aliens. Mm. Um, it's very weird, don't get me wrong, um, and it's not going to be for everyone's... Um, tastes. Some people will find it too weird to sit through, um, but I've loved it. 
So it's mine before. It's the journey. Mm. It's yeah, that's cool. They go, they they walk through a giant, like a giant garden type thing at some point. Yeah. Like giant mushrooms or something? I don't know, just some like mm. mushrooms stuck in me, I'm not so sure why. It's starting to sound a little bit like my number one. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> nice. uh, my number three, and I'm sure Luke will approve, is Transformers the movie. <laughs> More than meets the eye. <laughs> More than meets the eye. You got the touch! Dun, 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 dun. You got the, the power! Now we're talking about great soundtracks. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, um, that was beautiful, man. Thanks, man. It's, thanks uh, Transformers the movie was uh, there was their effort to clean up the Transformers universe um, and sell more toys, and uh, it's very dark for a cartoon. Oh, very yes. dark. It involves. I mean, spoiler alert. It involves the death of Optimus Prime, um, and uh, people were outraged. Outraged. But that's just um, watching that as a kid sitting <laughs> on because he's the main character in the previous in in. The old cartoon. So they go, they've just killed the main character off. Yeah, well, they don't just kill the main character. It's an absolute bloodbath <laughs> for the Autobots. When they get, when the, it's actually, it, 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 it involves the, the triumph of the Decepticons. The Decepticons finally win, mm. and uh, and in, in when they attack, um, Autobot City. Ultra, Autobot City. Yeah, it's just a bloodbath. Mm. It's just unbelievable. And uh, and they did that, like I say, as, as a cleanup. As the, the entire point of this film was to, in order to bridge the gap between the original cartoon and what they wanted to then start with a new cartoon. Um, and they wanted to bring in new Autobots, mm. or new Transformers to, to toys. And so, and they, and they, and that means that we're going to discontinue making the older ones. And for some strange reason, they, they thought that instead of just, instead of just discontinuing the older ones, we'll kill them, mm. <laughs> which then gives us a reason not to discontinue. You don't need a reason. You're a, you're a multinational business. You, you, Just don't you, make them anymore. But you could actually argue for that from you know the selling point is the car has always been the cartoons, and so you're giving your audience uh, a kind of a bridge to accept that. That's what it is. Yeah, it was basically to help the audience accept it. Which I, I, I mean, I just I, although I understand it, I find it ridiculous because your audience are eight year olds. Mm. So it's, uh, hey, can I tell you, as an eight-year-old watching this, didn't care. Thought it was brilliant. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care either because I thought it was awesome as well. Um, it's, so it's, yeah, it's got a. It's as you as you know from uh, my intro. This thing it has a rocking uh, like metal slash rock soundtrack. Um, Let's call it synth pop. Actually, to be generous, yeah, synth pop, synth pop, synth pop. It, no, dude. It's clearly rock. It's, it's, it's not metal. It's not metal. It's a bit. There's a bit of metal in there. Oh uh, yeah, a it's, touch. It's, Instruments it's, of it's, Destruction is a metal it's song. Eighties power ballad metal. Not okay, actually. I'll go. I'll okay. go with that. I'll okay, go with the that. Term, the term that is usually used is hard rock versus heavy metal. All right, I'll go. We'll, we'll go with eighties pop, pop metal. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I'll go with that. that. It's eighties pop metal, and it is. It's, 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 it's more Bon Jovi and less Metallica. Let's put it that way. It's and it's magnificent. It's actually I I, I imported. The uh, soundtrack. My friend and I, my, my next door neighbour and I, Frank, uh, imported the soundtrack from Japan because it wasn't available in Australia at that time. I'm not criticising it. I own the soundtrack myself. So. Yeah. Did you have to import it? Or did you buy it from Australia? I bought it from Australia. Yeah, yeah. So it's I don't know what what we were thinking, but it's it's magnificent stuff. And and yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's a bloodbath. It's 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 violent in the extreme. The death of Star Scream is one of my favourite animated scenes of all time. Mm. Um, it just you know just do do the Galvatron. Here's a hint. Sorry. Megatron? Is that you? Here's a hint. <laughs> and then normally, so my Starscream. My Starscream is normally better. Oh. I the, um, the higher uh, pitch. You already did Much easier, almighty Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> That's about that. Here's a hint. It's just magnificent stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, the death of Optimus Prime, which just caused a massive uproar, which when they were then released it uh, to home video, they added the line, 
because uh, it was released in cinemas, mm. they added the line at the end of the credits, Optimus Prime will return. Mm. And, uh, of course, he did. He returns in a two-parter in uh, the actual animated series itself. Also, it's got uh, a whole bunch of uh, awesome voice talent, including Leonard Nimoy and Orson Welles in his final role. Yep. Um, Unicron. So that's, uh, yeah, Transformers the movie. Awesome. Crystal. My number three is, well, this could be a cheat, because I don't know if it came out. I don't know if it had a cinema release. Okay. Fire it up anyway. It's the... Uh, and, and it's three and one because I'm not going to pick one out of the, out of the three. It's a trilogy. It's the Family Guy Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> now they are movie length. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're classes movies. Yeah, that's that's cool. fair. Movies. And and I, and I really like this because it follows the Star Wars story very closely, but um, uses the Family Guy characters perfectly perfectly fit the characters that they're, they're portraying, and the animation is quite beautiful. The, um, there's a lot of detail gone into the animation, you know, just for like your, your bog standard cartoon family series, has to suddenly um, become cinematically beautiful mm. on the screen. There's the little spacescapes and, and um, explosions and etc. etc. But uh, yeah, the, the comedy is is well timed. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a Family Guy fan, but I, I find it quite hit and miss. Um, and, yeah. and when it misses, it misses quite badly. Yes. <laughs> this one, this one has many more hits than misses. <laughs> <laughs> it's a therefore good. And therefore good. Some funny stuff like you know them turning to the orchestra and um, slicing through the through. Is it Danny Elfman? Yeah. Yeah. That's quite funny. But the couch gag, getting the, the couch. The couch goes on too long. Yeah. You sort of going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. A, there's a one that goes on quite long. There's um, uh, Han, which is Peter, it cuts open. The creature for Luke, which is Chris, to get into, and he's like, <sighs> "Yeah." <laughs> finally, he has. Well, he starts off. You thought they smelled bad, and then finally, <sighs> on the on the outside, <laughs> it just goes on for ages. It does go on for a ridiculous <laughs> outside. And poor Meg has the as the the, the, the gonga in the, in the trash compactor. <laughs> Meg gets a short shrift. But uh, yeah, good choice. Thank you. Uh, my number three. Um, I wanted to pick one of Miyazaki's films because I just think he's awesome. Like, um, I, I rank him as the the best anime director, and um, it was. I must admit, it was a hard choice. Mm. Um, There's a few to go through. There was. Um, I at, at one point I was leaning towards my, my neighbor Totoro, which mm. is just a beautiful magical film, and it has probably my favorite moment uh, from his movies, which is. When they're just standing at the on the side of the road at the bus stop mm. for ages, nothing's happening, and then suddenly a cat bus arrives. Yeah, the cat bus. The cat bus is just amazing. I love cat bus. It's one of my favourite <laughs> thing in these films. But but in the end, I went with uh, Spirited Away. Mm. Um, I, I I see it as the culmination of everything that um, everything he was doing in fantasy up until that point. Mm. He just brings everything together in Spirited Away. Its world building is magnificent. It's the most amazing. Uh, fantasy world I think I've, I've seen in animation um, but at the same time it's also a wonderful character story it's full of all the magic and you know nightmares and all the things you want from a from a Miyazaki fantasy and um, you know there's there's a reason why it won Academy Awards and was so highly acclaimed and um, yeah I just think it's brilliant excellent choice look um, yeah I'm actually going to agree with um, Richard on this one Spirited Away is my number three. And again, a lot to choose from. Um, just high-quality animation from Miyazaki, both before mm. this and with things like The Wind Rises. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is probably his best film, I think, overall. 
Which is, and that's, you know, saying something. Yeah. Really. You could do a top five on just Miyazaki. Exactly, yeah. I, I did at one point have, like, four movies in my top five by him, so, yeah, I just skip it down to the end. That's a bit out of control there. Oh, um, you know. He's good. He's I just, he's I just went through and there was, no, like, he's, he's, he's four films good. that were, you know. <laughs> he's that good. I take it back. I'm sorry. I didn't. Okay, number two. Two, two, two. Number got... two. <laughs> the Incredibles. Uh, it's another, incredible. Another, another, they are incredible. It's another uh, Pixar release, and uh, I just think it's it's magnificent. It's basically how the Fantastic Four should be done on screen, and uh, and that's not taking anything away from it. It is, it's uh, it's Brad Bird at his finest, and I don't know. I can't. I can't think I can say anything more about it that hasn't already been said. It's 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 got everything. It's got it's it's action, comedy, family drama. Um, it's a, a magnificent story, magnificent animation, and it's one of the greatest superhero films ever made. That's high praise. It is awesome. Indeed. Okay. Well, it's not a Batman versus Superman, but it's you know it's pretty good. Enough <laughs> said. Enough said. <laughs> uh, number two on my list is Up. Awesome. Hey, Up. awesome. Up is uh, uh, is a Pixar. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Pixar yeah. film. Um, uh, it features a, a lonely older gentleman who's uh, lost his wife and uh, a young young boy whose name escapes me. Uh, anyway. Young Boy Scout. Young Boy Scouts. Uh, trying to sell him something, I, I think, from memory. Mm-hmm. And, and um, circumstances happen and hilarity ensues and they end up uh, on an adventure together with the... the the dog who likes squirrels, <laughs> <laughs> squirrel, <laughs> and yeah, it's just it's just a nice, uh, warm-hearted story. Uh, the, the relationship that the old man develops with the little boy, and um, one of my favourite bits of the story was the 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 adventure book that uh, the wife had put together for the yeah. husband and wife, which I started to do myself huh? at one point, but uh, I have uh, been neglect. Neglecting my wifeful duties. Shame <laughs> <on> you. <laughs> yeah, up up has uh, for me uh, again one of the greatest animated scenes ever, which is the intro. Mm. And, yeah, if you don't cry, if you don't cry during that intro, there's I don't know, I don't know what to say. But the nice thing about that, and I'm I, up is a very good film. It's one of Pixar's best. But the nice thing about that intro is that it manages to be emotional uh, without being sentimental or manipulative. Mm. Yeah. that you feel actually do feel. The love that yeah. exists between these two, and you sort of see the trials and tribulations, so that when um, the wife dies, um, yeah, fully, yeah, I can, you can completely understand why um, Ed Asner, because I can't remember the old guy's name, sorry, <laughs> why Ed Asner's character is the way he is. Yeah, it's not just a crotchety old man. It, you know, it's he—he's actually lived a life, and he's had actually he's had you know the guts sort of pulled out of it yeah. a little bit. You know, it's actually quite involving. I'm with you. It also, I think, um, I just want to point to I Up was actually almost number five on my list, so I'm glad that you've you had a lot of up. almost number fives. Well, you've got 25 honourable mentions. <laughs> I think that, that you at know. the very least, 25. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, no, um, Up also came at a point where I think Pixar needed a film like this. Like, they'd been gone through a lot of sort of by the numbers movies where they'd just fallen into a formula, mm. and, and it just wasn't. I don't know. For me, at least, it just wasn't doing it for me at all. Like, like cars. they felt like I felt like they'd lost some of the magic that they had from films like The Incredibles and, and Toy Story, and and then this film comes along and it's like, yeah, well done, guys. That's exactly the sort of thing I want to see from you. You know, so that was awesome. But 
He wasn't my number two. <laughs> um, stealing some of Luke's thunder here. My number two is Fantasia. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I've got plenty to talk about. Remember you chucked Fantasia 2000 on there? Get real. It's <laughs> not that bad, come on. <laughs> no, okay, to, to it's, not, it's, not, it's not Blues Brothers 2000. Fantasia 2000, though, it, it's just... A copy. It's just a copy, but unlike, unlike say, Fantasia, which it was the music inspiring the animation, yeah. it was, we've got animated sequences, let's try and find the music. So there's yeah. no actual marriage between yeah. the two. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, I agree. You're absolutely right. Um, Walt Disney was an innovator. Hmm. Say what you will about the man. He was certainly an innovator. Um, and this is, I think, just the most amazingly creative, innovative thing he, he ever did. You know, the, the, the combination of just music and animation is just astonishing. And I still believe that Disney have never managed to top the animation of Night on Ball Mountain. I think that is the single best. And they've done some great animation over the years, but Night on Ball Mountain, every time I see it, absolutely blows me away. Um, and this is also just a great introduction to, to classical music as well. Like, as a kid, I saw this and started listening to classical music, so it had that, that, that inspiration for me as well. It did exactly what Walt Disney wanted it to do. So, Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished, Walt. Well done, son. <laughs> <laughs> but I won't say any more. I'll leave it to Luke. Well, well, one thing you just said, that really leads me to something that, that uh, I was thinking about this point. I'll, well, I'll, we'll do it after the top five. Uh, Luke, number two. Okay, my number two is, is again, another anime. Um, and it's probably the first adult piece of animation I've ever watched. Legends of the Other Fiend? <laughs> uh, it had to be close. Wicked City? No. <laughs> he said adult. Um, Ninja, Ninja Scroll. Oh, that's quite enough. Uh, when, I, when I say this, we should have prefaced it by, you know, good. Right, okay. Um, the general the general thing about um, anime from the Western perspective is that there are really three films that, you know, you will, uh, you will talk about in one breath. Akira, Ghost in the Shell, and Ninja Scroll. Mm. And they're, the, so they're sort of the three that, um, that, peop- that you know, certain people, certain people of a certain age, um, most likely men, will talk about. Um, the three that influenced uh, the Matrix, Ghost in the Shell, that are quite readily. Mm. Um, Akira is don't get me wrong, and with Akira, don't get me wrong, it is the groundbreaking masterpiece a lot of people make it out to be. Um, and I'm a huge, oh, no, I'm a huge fan of Akira. Right. Um, but for me, Ninja Scroll um, is Glad the best. Ninja, in, in, in Ninja Scroll is the best, and part of the reason for you know this was the first piece of animation that I'd seen that was actually aimed at you know uh, an older audience, and I saw it first saw it on SBS when I was thirteen. Um, so unfortunately, it was dubbed because they didn't want to detract from watching the animation itself. Um, but the nice thing about it was, you know, amongst the sex and the violence, um, and there is a sexual connotation to certainly the main female character. But the respect that the main character Jubei has um, uh, for her, um, I actually thought was quite paramount. The the story involves him having to actually go out and kill. Um, some demons, but he's been forced to. He, you know, if he doesn't kill them, the, he's been injected with the poison. If he doesn't kill the peop- the demons, um, before a certain period of time, then the poison will overtake him and he will die. Mm. The only way to counteract that, he d- they later on discover later on discover is that Kagero, the female ninja, who's also very highly skilled, but is ho- is highly sexualized, can who's got poisons running through her himself, herself, sorry, um, can counteract that poison if they have sex. And there's a point where Kagero offers herself up to Jubei um, before he goes off to before he goes off to theoretically die. 
um, but instead of actually doing what you know, I'm what I'm sure hundreds of adolescent boys would have said, yeah, go for it. He just wraps his arm, hugs her, in quite a touching, um, quite a touching shot. Picks up his sword and then walks off to go and fight his, to go and fight the bad guys, mm. which I actually just thought was just a a really nice way of saying I I have the utmost respect and love for you, um, and this is not the way to go about this. Um, in Unusual some, in those days. Yeah, which was, but like, and like <laughs> I said, given that you know the audience would have been you know older adolescent boys, but adolescent mm. boys who would have wanted to see. Um, Boobies. Jubei have sex, get... No, you see that, unfortunately. Jubei have sex with Kagero, you know, the actually taking a more mature and adult approach and walking off into battle without doing that, I thought was actually... Um, it, it elevated it above that level. It's some beautiful animation, some wonderfully choreographed fight sequences, but just a really strong relationship between its two central characters. Cool. Very cool. Alright, uh, the moment you've all been waiting for, number one. Number one! Or more importantly, my number one. Your number one! <laughs> Thank you. I've often thought that. My number one is Disney's Aladdin. Absolutely magnificent. It's, uh, it, it is part of the, uh, the Disnonaissance that uh, we mentioned earlier. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it kind of flies in the face of what I said earlier about Alice, with Alice Wonderland with the music num- musical numbers. But I just say every single song in this, mo- in this, in this movie is magnificent. Mm. It's Robin Williams at the top of his game. Just dominates. Uh, it's, uh, the animation is beautiful. The story is, is wonderful. A Disney princess that kicks ass. Awesome. I, just, I, can't, I, can't, I can sit here and talk about this movie alone for hours, but I won't because we've got other people to do. So, uh, yeah, Disneyland, number one. I love the fact that they uh, recorded Robin Williams and then animated around him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, that's just how awesome Robin Williams was because they know you just can't keep that man contained. That's right. So they just let him go. And there was actually, a, a po- at one point, there was a question as to whether or not he should get some kind of writing credit. Yeah. Because he just ad-libbed all of his uh, genie lines and, yeah. I blame parents, except he hasn't got them. Yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't stop Robin Williams ad-libbing. No, he's a, he's yeah, a, exactly. He's exactly. A, uh, so you just let him go and then animate around him. force of nature. Yep. <laughs> okay, my number one is uh, Yellow Submarine. Cool. cool. You, you can see where I was going before. Like, got the blue, well, not aliens, I guess, but mm. blue people, <laughs> mushrooms. Started to sound a bit weird. Sorry, Billy. Yeah, throw something there. Is, uh, the other night when I was coming, I was coming home. But I was at Parliament, walking through Parliament Station, and there was a group of three people, and there was a Beatles song playing, and one of them said, oh, "I love this song," and the other one was like, "Yeah, yeah, the Beach Boys rocked," and the and the, and the third person said. No, I'm pretty sure it's the Beatles, and and then they got into a big argument, and 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 I was going to say something. And I thought, you know, that's screw it. <laughs> you can live in your ignorance. It was the Beatles. Yeah, what it was, was the song? Oh, I was. Um, I saw her standing there. Uh, <laughs> uh, it actually, um, it reminds me. I heard a group. Of, Just in case you thought it was the Beatles. <laughs> a group of adolescent boys, about fourteen, um, they're off on a Sunday trip somewhere on a train, and uh, one of them was lecturing the other boys on on the Beatles because obviously he just learned all about them, so he thought he's all knowing. And, <laughs> and, and one of his statements was, um, uh, "After they finished becoming, after they finished being a boy band, like." <sighs> But the definitions of our time. No, 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 no. It actually, I don't, I don't tweet very often, but it inspired me to. Tweet. I know, I saw that. How very dare you! <laughs> I'm sorry, are you comparing the Beatles to the Backstreet Boys? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm more to New Direction. 
One Direction. One Direction. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Or New Edition. It's hard to say which group you were going with. <laughs> My disinterest in boy bands. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway. Unfortunately, they're not called No Direction. Yellow so. Submarine came out sort of toward the end of the Beatles' career at the psychedelic sort of era, which is my favourite uh, yeah. era of the Beatles. I'm a big fan of the Beatles music and Yellow Submarine. Although the, the four main characters, John, Paul, George and Ringo, weren't actually voiced by the Beatles. The people mm. who did the voices were very, very good. And the Beatles do make an appearance and, of course, it's all their songs. Mm. Um, the animation is just gorgeous and because it, it doesn't seem to date because it's so stylized that it's its, it's, its own sort of mm. style. Um it is this, the, one of my favourite sequences is only a northern song. It's just so psychedelic, and George Harrison. It's, it's just it's 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 wonderful, and I was very thrilled to get it on Blu-ray finally and hear the whole thing in stereo because most of the uh, recordings you'd get beforehand were on mono, and sort of which means because the Beatles were very innovative with their music and, and used stereo to its fullest, often you'd only. Like, I think it's when I'm 64, mm. you could hear the music, but you couldn't hear the lyrics. Yeah. So uh, I was very, very, very thrilled to get it on, on Blu-ray, and, uh, and, and it, was, it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Um, so, yes, my, my my all-time favourite animated film, and one of my all-time favourite films is Yellow Submarine. Awesome. We also have a, a Blue Meanie and a John Statues. Yes, that's David's uh, attempt to get me onto the statue fetish. <laughs> Although I do appreciate them. Fetish. They're, they're, very, they're very pretty. Fetish is a, a good word for it. I also it. have a, a plush Blue Meanie. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a John action figure when they did the um, oh, action yeah. figures back. Those were awesome back. action figures. Yeah, I've got, yeah. So I've, got, I've got a John. From because I'm a, I like Yellow Submarine yeah. as well. Yellow Submarine is awesome. Yes. Blue. <laughs> Richard. Uh, yeah, my number one's Akira. Just oh. <laughs> <laughs> that bluish. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's not a lot of bluish in Akira. <laughs> there's a lot of red. There's lots um, of red. Yeah. There is a lot of red in Akira. Um, okay, why I love Akira. First of all, the animation is brilliant. Mm. Um, it's it was it was my introduction to I guess adult anime as well you know it was my step up from you know Astro Boy and Star Blazers and Battle of the Planets and things into something else um it's I think there's a great character story here um there's some wonderful science fiction but um it also encapsulates a lot of um I guess the fears and anxieties of the late 80s um it 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 there's cyberpunk there there's um you know biological experimentation there's um you know, technology and, and technology out of a control. Like, th- this film really sums up that, that late 80s fears in science fiction form for me. Um, Plus this, the anti-corporate sentiment that was rampant in Japan and yeah, um, America. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 like, you know, as, as we often when we talk about the books uh, that we review, this is a form of science fiction that takes all of the fears and anxieties and issues of the time and then extrapolates on them and, you know, takes them to their nth degree and says, here's what the world could be. And and I love that sort of storytelling. Um, and I think this just captures all of that. And it's, it's been so hugely influential, as you said, on things like The Matrix. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's probably the best, too, the best film version of, I guess, like the cyberpunk type era along with Ghost in the Shell um, but yeah I think Akira is actually a, a triumph of animation and I don't care what Dave thinks <laughs> well, I don't want to downplay it, it uh, I just, I'm just not a fan it's, I just I think it's it's all it's all 
flash and no substance and uh, I just think it's overly complicated for no reason and it just gives me a headache Tetsuo Kaneda There's a lot of yelling There's a lot of yelling out people's like names every, every boy of my age when I first saw it I mean like, like you it was a, sort of the, you know, those three with the introduction and um, you know of course I love the bikes you know and uh, I think it starts off well I just, I just by towards the end of it I was just like I'm just having I've had enough so I have the opposite reaction. Each time I see it, I pick up more of hmm. uh, of the social commentary, I, I, and political I, I more, commentary. I and, greatly prefer Ninja. Mm. That, yeah, it's, it's it's more sex, isn't it? Well, I just, boobies are nice. But, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> no, so, <laughs> no, I just, I, think, I just think it's a better story. You know, I think, I think it's better animated, and I think it makes things a lot more sense. Mm. Luke. <laughs> okay, so you know, as has been revealed earlier on, my number one is Fantasia, awesome. um, and for a lot of the reasons that. Um, Richard was already stated, um, but there's also a personal connection for me. You know, I'd seen I'd seen Nine and Ball Mountain on TV, you know, as part of the Disney Hour because they used to replay it constantly. God, I miss uh, the Disney Hour. Um, <laughs> but no, when the, seriously, when the fiftieth came out, my father made a point of taking myself and my sister because my my dad was a musician, hmm. um, an amateur musician, I should point out. Um, but a, a great love. I don't want to make him sound like he's a professional. Oh, no, what the hell was that about? Um, he's, he was a musician. That's what yeah, he He's a musician. Yeah. Um, uh, Jazz, right? Depends on which period of his oh, life. Okay. Right. Um, and, you know, so big love of big love of movies, big love of music. Mm. Um, and, you know, like quite like animation as well. So I made a point of taking myself and my sister to sit down after school in at Grady Union, Russell Street. Um, to watch the 50th. And it was this rather intriguing uh, sentiment of seeing what art actually could, what how animation could actually be transformed into something other than, you know, slapstick comedy, escapist entertainment, and actually be used to make artistic statements. Hmm. I mean, you know, still not taking away from the element of fantasy. The Nutcracker sequence is, is quite magical, and I've always loved the little mushroom dance. Yeah, you know, just this like little off the cuff moment, but you know, the rite of spring, and seeing you know dinosaurs on screen, being quite you know savage, hmm. um, you know, seeing uh, the hedonistic lifestyle of uh, the of Greek mythology with the centaurs and Bacchus, and mm-hmm. then you know the wrath of Zeus, leading up until you know, what is argue what is inarguably the best argue, best animated sequence ever done. Um, with Night on Ball Mountain. You know, a great piece of music by Mazaginski, um, but, you know, the terrifying visage of the mountain unfolding to reveal the wings of, I want to say Chernobog, but I could be wrong about that. It is Chernobog. Yes, Chernobog, Chernobog yeah. yeah. Um, and to see the dance of death played out by the spirits. Let down a little bit, I think, by the Ave Maria sequence at the end. I've never been a fan of that. I just think it, you, it undercuts... Some of the magnificence that we've just seen. You can understand why. Though. I can understand yeah. why it's there. I'm not yeah. denying that, but it yeah, right just, it just feels that you've had this this grand goinal vista thrown before us. Yeah. Um, and then it's sort of it's undercut by a quite an anticlimactic. Yeah. Sequence. It's more to sort of s- s- calm I, you down. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, but I I didn't need that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you too. I didn't need um, that, but I can see. But why. see, the, the, uh, and so you know, sitting in the cinema, you know, watching that, and my dad telling a whole bunch of teenagers behind him to shut the hell up whilst we watched the film. Awesome. That was magic. But it also, it started an ingrained process in me where every time I hear a piece of music, um, and I'm not talking about you know the stuff that that's in um, Fantasia. 
but every time I hear a piece of music, um, I can't help but try and imagine a story that goes along with it. And it doesn't matter what piece of music it is, whether it's um, a piece of classical music, um, you know, a mile, one of Miles Davis's pieces, or even a pop song. Rihanna's Cake? <laughs> I will try and turn that in some way um, into... Anaconda. Anaconda, he really, he's developed a, you know really, a, that, a long story about Anaconda. <laughs> what, you mean, uh, you know, what, giant, a giant snake slithering through the Amazon rainforest? Oh, I see, yeah, very poetic. Mm-hmm. I picture the movie. Yeah, I couldn't come up with anybody, but that, but my point, but my point being that, uh, for for me, the whole idea being that you die, that you that the two things aren't separate. Mm. You can marry story to music yeah. quite well, which is why I think that Fantasia two thousand um, fails because they came up with the sequences and the stories, and then went and tried to find the music. But mm. the, they they did an adaptation of the Tin Fast, um, uh, the, the Tin Fast Soldier. Um, you know, and then went well. What's the piece of music that we can use to this? Hmm. Not sort of seeing, sort of missing the point of what um, Disney was trying to do originally, which was let's turn and let's let's show that it's not Snow White and fairy tales. Let's show that you know we can actually be inspired to create great things, and that you know our inspiration can come from um, classical music. Which is the sequence where you see the Earth come into being? Is that? The right, the That's right, the right of spring. spring. Yeah, yeah. The, only, the only sequence I actually don't like, other than other Mar- the Maria stuff, I must admit, is the is the hippos, ballerina so, hippos thing. No, see, I quite, it's, I, I, it's, it's fun. I, it's, uh, it's very it's, Disney. It's, it's very, it is very Disney, but it's the one that you kind of need between you know the epic mythology that is um, the Beethoven, hmm. and then the um, absolute descent into darkness that is not a boy. You, you just yeah. need that break. Yeah. Um, the one that I, I think always, the mushrooms can accomplish that though they do mm. but that's at the start of that's a let, let's get you in with something bright and easy breezy and fluffy and then yeah, we go and then we take you to dinosaurs and the sorcerer's the, apprentice okay. which is a beautifully um, animated sequence don't get me wrong but I've always been a bit confused as to why people wanted to choose that as the iconic representation of Fantasia mm. yeah okay it's Mickey Mouse it's Mickey Mouse, it's Mickey, it's Mickey Mouse. The and they, you know I understand it these days but as, as a kid I was went but not a more bad ball man is you know the superior yeah, but Mickey Mouse is the corporate symbol of yeah, Disney. Yeah, and I understand uh, that as an adult, but as a child watching this, yeah. you sort of go, yeah. like, give, me the, give me the demon in the mountain. <laughs> Having said that, Mickey's best moment is... Fantasia, yes. Fantasia, like, he's so much cooler in Fantasia than he is oh, in his own Steamboat Willie. Steamboat Willie. Okay, that's his introduction. That's not his finest moment. That's not his introduction. Well, it's close. It's his introduction. It's, it's into the first it. sound. Yeah. Simba Willie is, in fact, the first his yeah. first sound cartoon, and that's what yeah. turned him into a, a star. Yeah. There's also Mickey's Caravan, and that's that's actually quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. I was never a Mickey Mouse fan, I must admit. But Fantasia yeah. is magnificent. Donald Duck, on the other hand. Mm. Yeah. All right, so uh, without any commentary, I'm just going to very quickly go through my extensive honourable mentions list. Inside Out, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, The Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Movie, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Toy Story 2. The Little Mermaid, Hercules, Mulan, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Shrek, Spirited Away, The Lego Movie, Beauty and the Beast, Happy Feet, Wally, Up, Rango, and Wreck It Rough. I just have to ask, oh, how did Wally Toy Story sucks. Two get on there? Wally but, sucks. But, but, yeah. but, but, but Toy Story didn't get on there. I, I prefer. I think Two is. I think Two is a superior story. I actually, think all three are. So I think yeah. something else. Yeah. Yeah. How did Wally get on the list and yeah. not Toy Story? Actually, Wally nearly <laughs> got on my list. I quite enjoyed that. Wally's all can't stand it. <laughs> no, so two, two non-Wally lovers. Yeah. Yeah. What was the one you mentioned before Wally as well? Yeah, it should have been called Eva. Because uh, Eva's the one that actually does stuff. What? Happy Feet. And you put that on before Toy Story. I think Toy Story 2 is the, the 
Yeah, that's, that's so, fine. I'm not, I'm not denying that. Toy Story yeah, let's just is a great say, film. Let's just um, say the Toy Story trilogy and leave it at that. Why is it? Why is My point is, why is Happy Feet and Wally on there, but not I the original? I said no commentary. Toy- no commentary when I started this. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> uh, Some things must not go unpunished. Let's, let's, let's just. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll try. We'll try and keep it brief. But yeah. let's go back to the thing that you said before. Where it was like, yeah, Disney was what Disney was an innovator. We yeah. taking a look now. This is like absolutely. That was our top five, by the way. The top five is now done. This has got nothing <laughs> to do with the top five. But this is uh, the thought I had while I was in the shower. I was about, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, we don't no, need no. to know this, do we? <laughs> Suddenly we've turned to the start of American Beauty. I'm just, no, I'm just, I'm very, I'm, I'm intrigued. Um, I before I before I jumped into the show, I read a, an article of Ryan Gosling talking about um, the nice guys, mm. which I'm very, yeah. very interested in seeing. Mm. And he was talking about Russell Crowe, and one of the things he said about Russell Crowe was that Russell Crowe can do anything; he's just that good an actor. And then I was thinking about that whole thing about where, you know where Australia has this habit of claiming people that aren't born here. Yeah. <laughs> so Australia's yeah. own Russell Crowe. Which is clearly back to New Zealand. When he's, when he's actually a New Zealander. And then this is my thought process. I'm going through the whole thought process. Then my thoughts went to um, other people that we've sort of claimed that we, now we can think that we'd actually think, you know, actually we'll toss them back, a la Mel Gibson. Right? So yeah. Mel Gibson is actually born in America. And, and, sort of, and, and Mel Gibson, you know, all the revelations about his character and now kind of like everybody's sort of anti-Mel Gibson, despite the great contribution that he's made to our country. So, my questions, <laughs> based yeah. on that train of thought, is um, do your thoughts on um, the people that you respect and admire change based on later revelations about their characters? Yes. Yes, well, especially Mel Gibson. Uh, I mean, the, uh, the revelations that he's uh, anti-Semitic... Um, well, the wife-beater. Wife-beating crazy... Drug man, right. um, which is quite disappointing. Uh, but, can you, but you can still watch Lethal Weapon and still admire. It I can still watch the show and enjoy his performances, but I don't have as, any level of respect that I had from mm. in the past. Like I get Luke, Luke jumped in before everybody else. Um, Michael Jackson, right? Now I'm a, as a kid growing up in the '80s, was a huge Michael Jackson fan, and I still am. To be fair, um, you know, Thriller, Bad, Off the Wall, um, that period, and up into Dangerous, very, uh, you know. Great stuff, uh, you know, pop music at its best. Um, and then, of course, you know, the allegations of um, sexual child sexual abuse emerged, um, and and then, you know, the, uh, as a consequence of that, of course, you know, um, my kind of infatuation because I was actually infatuated with Michael Jackson for a period um, that did go down, as you would expect. Um, I got history the. The album that he made after all of relations, but after history, you know, blood on the dance floor, invincible, just really wasn't interested in. And mm. It didn't help that they weren't good albums. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. Invincible it either. It didn't help that they weren't good, that they certainly were good albums. And I always like the fact that when the um, the song from Invincible, Invincible got released, it was um, thumped in the music charts by a cover of one of his one of his B side songs, yeah. Smooth, Smooth Criminal, Smooth Criminal by Alien Ant Farm, yeah. which is my favorite Michael Jackson song. It should be pointed out. Um, but that could actually be it's you know it's also the way it's visualised in Moonwalker, um, which is magnificent, which is brilliant in places. Let, let, let's be no, no, that sequence. Oh yeah, that's not the yeah. film. Yeah. Film's a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> that yeah. sequence is magnificent. And so na- you know naturally when he d- and so when he died, everyone everyone did this whole oh, it's so sad. You, the usual thing that people do when when famous people die, but mm. I couldn't actually quite understand why. Everyone was having this reaction. You need to, to point out, not proven in a court of law. Not proven in a court of law, but the court of public opinion had actually taken him down. Yeah, allegations. At the time, yeah, okay. people actually were siding more with the allegations. Right. Okay, um, I agree. 
then I think they're true too, but still not proven. Yeah, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. that. That's not my point. But right. you know, naturally, as a course, as, as a result of that, yeah. you know, he does lose lose some allure. Allure in my so eyes. Yeah. For me, for me, it depends upon. First of all, how much I love the actual. Let's call it product. Sorry, I'm sorry. Still one second. So, does that can you still listen to? Yeah, that was the point that that um, the wall, all I, that sort of stuff that I was going to sort of make once Richard talked about, which is oh, that, okay, right, um, I will still listen to Thriller, Off the Wall, Bad, Dangerous, and even History. Right. Um, it doesn't detract from the work that I did enjoy before. Yeah, I guess that's my um, point. Yeah. yeah. Um, it depends for me a great deal. First of all, on how much I loved the the product itself to begin mm. with, mm. Um, and also the extent of. The revelation, like, right. for example, let's take say John Byrne. Yeah. You go on his website; he's an idiot, right? He's, he's a bit racist. He's, idiot, he's, but he's, he's opinionated, he's a a and he's opinionated. <laughs> yeah, his 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 opinions are shocking. Yeah, right? yeah. like, a, and it really frustrates me. Yeah. But they're just him expressing expressing you know dickhead opinions. Yeah, right. It doesn't mean I can't go back and look at X Men or Fantastic Four and just think this guy's an awesome artist. Hmm. On the other end of the spectrum, let's take say Rolf Harris. Yeah. I think we're going to go with Orson awesome Scott Card, but anyway, we'll go with yeah, Rolf Harris. Well, Rolf Harris, yeah, yeah look, Rolf, um, Harris. Rolf Harris is the worst case scenario that I can think of, gotcha. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what he did and the period of time over which he did, the lives he destroyed, just horrifying. And now I cannot look back at, you know, my childhood memories of Rolf, because Rolf was a, you know, beloved Aussie icon. Icon, icon of Australian you know? childhood, yeah. Yeah, and now I look back on that, and I can't look back on that through any eyes other than this man is a monster. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it really does depend on the, the extent of, you know, and even say Orson Scott Card, hmm. using him as the example you brought up. Ender's Game is still, in my opinion, a brilliant book. Um, it's just that... He himself. Uh, he himself is a dickhead. And so in some respects, I can remove myself from the person because it's not the person necessarily that I appreciate. Yeah. It's it's the product the that they've created, yeah. yeah. But it, it depends on the revelation too. There's yeah. a period over the last few years where it seems to be every male adult person that we looked up to in our childhood has been revealed to be a pedophile. You've got yeah. uh, Robert Hughes, the dead, from Hey Dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got um, Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. Yeah. Uh, Rolf Harris. It's, 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 it's who's next. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is it Mr. Brady next? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Take, <laughs> that'd be take, devastating. To take... To take that example a little, uh, you know, um, it was more a case of it's unfortunate that people didn't do anything about that at, at the, the time. time. And the, mm. the sad thing is that people knew mm. and then protected because they've got to mm. protect their product. Yeah, yeah, in the case of Robert Hughes, yeah. there's actually a lot that's been said that that's producers just, actually... That's disgraceful. And then yeah. they, they got rid of him because they couldn't actually handle that it. That show but, will never be seen again on Australian no, screens. No. And that's understandable. It's, yeah. it's also no. unfortunate so, yeah, because it, it wasn't a bad show. That wasn't fair. <laughs> I, I, but, I mean, it. using Walt Disney as your example, because yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming that's coming full circle. You were thinking about what we know about Disney as a person now, yeah, versus you know the art that he created. Um, I find myself very much removed from Disney as a person. Anyway, yeah, you know, Disney seems more like an entity to me. Yeah, uh, and so I, I don't forget it started with one man. Yeah, so so I I. I look at the films now just purely as films that appeared at a certain time period and yeah and I don't necessarily make that connection because we're far removed from Disney's death and the revelations of the kind of person he was mm. um, I don't know like it's 
you know, whereas it's, uh, the revolution, revelations that are hitting us now that I have a stronger connection to are the ones that are affect, affect me a lot more, I suppose. Yeah. I, I, just, I, I find it's a fascinating subject. I just, mm. I just, I, I just know that now, if, uh, you know, knowing what we know about certain people, it's like I could never watch a Rolf Harris thing ever again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and was there, but because we've, in, the, in, this, in the context of this conversation, um, we've been talking about the, the revelations of the person as opposed to the work that they create. Yeah. Um, what, was, it, was it just Rolf himself? Or was, I, I didn't grow up with Rolf Harris. Um, so what, what, I know some of his songs, but you know, um, was there anything about the work he created and that, that, that's my yeah, point. I guess it's is, Rolf, it, is it about Rolf himself? Rolf, Rolf, it, I'm, I'm not saying I'm the greatest Rolf Harris fan of all time, but he's, he's, it's like Richard said, he's, he's a staple of our mm. childhood because that's, mm. I mean, like Vegemite, it gets forced down our throats sort or of stuff. Mm. So, brush paints. You know, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the brush, the, the paint ad mm. sequence, but also, like, you know, the, his sons were played. I mean, I, I, speaking for my We learned them in class. We, learnt, mm. we had, to te- had to sing them mm. every week. So um, every, every, every Friday we had a singing class mm. and well, mm. you know yeah Tommy can grow down Tommy can grow down and all sort of stuff you know it's I mean, yeah. um, Bill Cosby's a good example for that like I yeah. grew up we grew up with you know the Cosby um, show you know um, the Cosby show with Fat Albert um, with his stand up routines mm. you know I used to go see movies no matter how bad they were because he was in it you know like Leonard Part 6 was a terrible film but and it the, was Bill Cosby and he was awesome the things so, he's yeah. done for black culture yeah. in, in America yeah is amazing but then it turns out that he was a scumbag the entire time while he was doing it, and, and so I now find that I would not be able to. But I, I think I think you know. I think the perfect example for me for me for this sort of thing was was Richo's stance when we were talking about Ender's Game, where how mm. he, he thinks the book is brilliant, but he refused to see the film mm. because it meant that he was going to get money from it. Like yeah. reading the book now, yeah. he's not going to get any money of it. It's been mm. published for ages; you can get it any way you want. So yeah, you get a second-hand but, copy, and, and you know, oh, who gives yeah. shit, right? But if you see the film because he was a producer, you're going to he's you're going to essentially you're going to pay him. Royalties, royalties, yeah. and and even though you're not paying him for his views, you're still paying him. He's he, still getting he's, money. He's still that, financing yeah. him to de- to do whatever he yeah. does. I think he was he was trying to do something at the time. Yeah, no, no, yeah. He, he's he he is on the board of an organisation yeah, that is trying to prove yeah. that homosexuality or, is or was or was on. He yeah. released a statement not too lo- about a year or so ago saying, "Yeah, no, I've lost the fight." Um, yeah, that. But this was this was the left is that, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, so I guess so. I guess I, I, like I said, I think that's, that's sort of like that's the perfect example. Is is for me, this is a sort of similar, similar, similar way that I sort of see it. Like, I will, I won't stop watching Mel Gibson, early Mel Gibson films, mm, the no. good ones, <laughs> um, the like, yeah, Air America and Lethal Weapon and stuff like that. But um, and I'll even watch a film that he's in, you know, fairly recently after after all the stuff like uh, Machete Kills or something, which is awful, by the way. Yeah. Um, but Machete uh, <laughs> don't text. If he was doing something, you know, like running for office or something like that, or is it like it needed some sort of financial gain, then. I would not wish to to assist. Mm. I, I guess is that is that how yeah. it makes sense? Yeah. So I don't disown him as an Australian. It's not like oh no no he was really American. Will to sign Rolf Harris. But well uh, yeah he become yeah. a British citizen anyway. So yeah, I just, Be, being anti-Semitic is terrible. Being yeah. a child rapist is a whole other level of yeah. I'm still going to enjoy the things that I enjoyed, you know, but. I can't help yeah. but feel kind it would, of tainted. It would, de- it would depend. It very much depends on the, the because if it turned out that Robin Williams was a pedophile, I would be devastated, and that would taint everything I ever mm. enjoyed watching him do. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's the thing. It's, it's 
I mean, it's just Rolf Harris again. I mean, an icon of our childhood. It's just I was more upset about the revelation that I've been lied to my entire life. Mm. Mm. That's more what yeah. really what it was, yeah. and the lives that he, that he destroyed. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's nowhere near as bad as that Seville guy, but being British, uh, we weren't Jimmy sort of... Savile. Jimmy Savile. Jimmy Savile, we were sort of, weren't really connected that much, you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, he was, he's far worse. Mm. Was that but, yeah. the singer? He's a comedian. He was... No, no, who, I was going to say, who was the singer, the the punk guy? Uh, uh, Gary Glitter? That's it. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 But yeah, so Savile, so, so, well, yeah, I really didn't have no, really any connection. Mm. I actually but didn't even really know who he was, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, but Rob Harris is, you know major part of my children so you know I, I was I was actually really quite upset about it but yeah. I was, no, I was, I was actually more upset it. about Robert Hughes but yeah. yeah well I was never a big dad but I was, thought he was creepy anyway so I wasn't, I wasn't all he that surprised he actually kind of looked like my friend's dad which makes it even weirder yeah. <laughs> my friend's dad's just one of the nicest persons on the planet anyway I just I just there were the thoughts in the shower this morning I just, I just thought we'd uh, I'd get your opinion I was very interested as always interested in the crew's opinions um, interested in your opinion as well if you have an opinion about it then uh, please let us know in the comments next up is Crystal's review Arthur and George my quick five minute maybe even less review okay. Arthur and George Hit me. Arthur and George is a three part BBC series starring Martin Clunes who you may know from such shows as Doc Martin and Men Behaving Badly fair enough <laughs> oh, that's a, that's that's the end of your review. Is that sort of pause there? No, I just got blank looks. That's okay. <laughs> I it's just his right. voice you're using, though. That's very. That's my broadcasting voice. I, it took me 196 episodes, but I got there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it follows the story of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. So that's the Arthur in the title. Oh, yeah. I see what they did there. Martin or what Clu- he did there because I forget the author's name. Martin Clunes plays Arthur Conan Doyle, and it's, it's quite a nice little transformation. You know, with the moustache and the clothes, he kind of looks the part. He doesn't look like the freaky man he normally looks like. <laughs> I don't mean to be mean, but he's got rude. he's got big lips and big ears, so he kind of looks yes, like Gollum. He kind of looks like Gollum. Actually, I think I cast him as Gollum at one point <laughs> in a previous episode. <laughs> I think you did actually. <laughs> Um, but no, he does a he does a lovely job. He puts on a, a light Scottish accent, as you would expect um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle to have. Um, he's got an offsider played by Charles Edwards. It's his sort of butler, manservant man named Alfred Wood. Um, Charles Edwards was in the Monty Python special I reviewed a few months ago. He played Michael Palin, so I recognised him instantly because I'm like. That's the guy that looks like Michael Palin. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the, uh, the third lead is um, Asha Ali, who plays George Ajali, who is the George in the title. Now, uh, we come at a point in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's life where Sherlock Holmes is massive. Um, his wife has just died, and I think he's just killed off Sherlock at the Reichenbach Falls. And he's in a bit of a funk like he's uh he's sort of had it with homes but people want homes back his wife's just passed on um and he's kind of looking for a challenge and the case of uh george is brought to his attention where george has been sent to prison for what looks like a crime that he didn't commit so he uh, becomes in essence sherlock holmes and sets about proving this man's innocence so uh, it's quite a, it's it's a nice if you like BBC 
style sort of murder mystery. And actually, it's ITV, not BBC, but you know, it's the same sort of style. Um, murder mystery, uh, if you're into that sort of thing, you like your Agatha Christie, you like your Midsummer Murders. Actually, I'd rate this much higher than Midsummer Murders because <laughs> it's <laughs> pretty bad. It's, it's watchable, but it's it's not it's not great TV. Um, it's not it's, even it's really good nice or it's, okay TV. It's yeah, it's it's well it's beautifully shot. Uh, it's very pretty to look at. Uh, Martin Clunes is very watchable as Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, you, you look sceptical, but I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> the guy we were talking about last night, we were watching Would I Lie to You, and I was like, I think he's, this guy's a bit of an arsehole. That's the same man. It's the same man. I think he's quite a, quite nice, actually. Really? He was quite endearing. Uh, yeah. He was he mean was. to Rob, and I love my Rob. Yeah, but Rob, Rob plays on that. He, he, he does play on He it. lives for those comics. Yes, he, he does. He loves doing the, the mock-offended look. He does He, yes. he does good mock-offended. I'm right. doing Ronnie Corbett. <laughs> cool. I'm doing Rob, Rob Brighton. <laughs> Okay. No, a very bad Welsh accent. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm not going to... Oh, maybe I'll rate it. I'll, I'll give it a three and a half. Uh, I think the, the the mystery is engaging enough and um, it did t- take me a while to kind of figure out who it was. Probably... It's one of those ones where you sort of... Once you figure it out, you think, how come I didn't figure this out sooner? Mm. Looking back at it, it's, it was kind of obvious, but um, it, it was good. I'm glad I've got it on DVD and watched it all three in a row rather than uh, as it was shown on TV once every week. Uh, I'm glad I binge watched it because it was. It, I think it works better seeing it all at once than mm-hmm. individual episodes. So if if I had to recommend anything, binge watch it. Don't watch cool. it individually. Um, is it better than on the level or below the quality of Murder Rooms? I've not seen Murder Rooms, so I cannot tell you. Okay. I'd say it's on the same sort of level of quality as good, as shot as beautifully as the Agatha Christie stuff, the modern Agatha Christie stuff, you know, the, the pyro and the Miss Marple, yeah. the mm-hmm. modern stuff. Uh, but the story quality is better. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. It does say it is based on a true story. I'm not sure how much poetic license they took in the movie, but uh, it, apparently this it, did actually It's based happen. on a novel and... The author's name escapes me. Someone like Sebastian. It probably is Sebastian Falks, now that I say it. Um, but Conan Doyle himself was an avid um, supporter of the judicial, the judicial system, but an avid supporter of, ju- of um, equal rights and justice being done for all. Yeah, because it did look like um, it, it was a, a race-based... Uh, it's like that this man is not of white skin, so therefore he must be guilty. Hmm. Uh, sort of deal uh, and also I did mean to mention like it comes in the point in Arthur Conan Doyle's life but he's like his wife's just died he's killed off Sherlock but before he goes a bit mad and believed in fairies mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay on that note that turning point in his career okay next up is my interview with Milo Cawthorn from Blood Punch and Deathgasm check it out now we'll, well, I'll have some more info when we get back Hello, Milo. How you doing? I'm good, bro. How are you? I'm good, thank you, man. Really excited to be talking to you. I don't, I'll, I'll try not to fanboy out too much. <laughs> okay. I appreciate the effort. <laughs> I, was, I, mean, I don't want to embarrass myself, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll start it all official-like, and then we'll talk like we've been friends forever. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is David. And, uh, I'm with uh, Mr. Milo Cawthorn. 
who uh, the our, my listeners will know is I'm a big fan of from uh, his his films uh, Deathgasm and Blood Punch, and uh, welcome to uh, NCP. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's it's my absolute pleasure, and I guarantee the pleasure of, of our, our listeners. Yes. Um, I say I wrote, I reviewed uh, uh, Deathgasm a couple of episodes back and uh, raved about it like a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it hit all the right spots for me. It was, it was awesome, awesome stuff. But I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you while um, it's I actually work with uh, quite a few Kiwis, and when I told them that I was interviewing you today and how excited I was. Uh, they actually they got probably even more excited than me. <laughs> so they uh, they uh, they're sort of they're split down the middle. One uh, there's there's about four of them, and sort of half of them want me to mention um, pet detectives, <laughs> like a staple of their childhood apparently. And the other half uh, were going to kill me if I don't mention Power Rangers. Okay, so we're good. We got both sides covered. We've got it. We've got it all. We've got it all covered. Now, obviously, I've done more stuff. I mean, obviously, I've researched your IMDb page and, and all this other stuff. But they they're adamant that we must talk about those two subjects, and it can't just be all deathgasm. Okay, well, the pet detectives one is weird because I didn't think anybody saw that. I thought that was just I don't know broadcast into nothingness. It was on at a weird time. Right. But uh, it's amazing that anybody remembers that. That is absolutely incredible to me. Well, yeah. Maybe they were. Maybe they were crew on it or maybe they had some <laughs> maybe they were involved in some way I, I don't know but it sounds, it sounds like a cool idea though I mean, it's like supernatural detective children detectives it does sound like a cool idea i don't know whether it was it was uh, carried out in a cool way but um <laughs> it was uh yeah it was it, that was a weird co-production between an english company and a new zealand production company and so there, i think there was there was a little bit of weird goings on there because the english people had like um, story ideas and the New Zealand people were like that doesn't happen in New Zealand that's weird right and that was yeah that was really odd I remember I I, <laughs> I have relatives in in Woi Woi the beautiful Woi Woi yeah and I I went over there after filming this thing and I had like some I had like some DVDs and they're like oh we'd love to see Pet Detectives and I was like really and they're like yeah and I was like I don't know if it's really your cup of tea, and they're like, "No, trust us. We let, let come on, yep. put it on." Yep. It's my auntie and my uncle, and I chucked it on, and uh, my uncle fell asleep. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, okay, good. It's a good sign." When your only, when your own loving family is falling asleep, you know something. <laughs> you know, there's, Although, there's he, something he, going on. He's not the target audience, though. Let's be honest. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I reckon. I, I reckon pet detectives could make a comeback. You reckon? Children, children's television is just is at an all time high. At least in Australia, it is. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I reckon. I reckon it could happen. I, I reckon you should campaign for it, and you should like you could make a return as uh, like one of the fathers of the children or something. Not the other. Yeah, that yeah. Well, we'll do. We'll do pet detectives twenty years on. That's it. What are, What are they doing? Now? Pet detectives twenty twenty. <laughs> All right, so I've done my obligatory pet detectives. I haven't seen any of it. I, I, I'm sorry, I can't avoid it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen some clips. Oh. But that's uh, that's about as far as I could find on the internet. I scoured the internet. That's all I could find. But uh, Power Rangers, tell us about that. This Power Rangers are all the rage at the moment. This is uh, the, the new films coming out. Yeah, that's there, right. Yeah. There was that. There was that um, sort of bootleg. That's right. Mini film thing. Did you see? Did you, did you see that? I saw bits of it. The, the ultra violent one. Eh? Yeah, yeah. I think it's just yeah. called Power Slash Ranger or something. Yeah, but, that uh, made, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty full on stuff. Uh, the, uh, the black black ranger got very upset about it. 
Oh. But but uh, but yeah. So you're in a, a New Zealand produced Power Rangers film, no yeah, TV so, show. So they they sold the franchise to Disney in must have been '99 or 2000, and Disney went right. We know how to save money. Take it to New Zealand, <laughs> awesome. and they did that for. They were here from 2000 until 2000. And, what? Oh, actually, they're still here. They're what? still here. What? They're still shooting here. So they've, they've been here since 2000. Yeah. But um, we were the last Disney season. Right. And um, so they said, uh, they said to the to the writers and producers in America, they said we need to age it up, go go crazy because uh, we wanna we wanna try something new. And yeah. so Eddie Gazelian got the job, and he came over. And he was a really lovely guy, and he had a he kind of he did he did try and age the series up a bit. And we really liked it. We really enjoyed the process. We really, and it was great. I've been a fan of Power Rangers since I was like six. Mm. So I was like, "This is awesome!" And I wore the spandex. And here's the <laughs> rude awakening. Yeah. I was like, "Great! Time to put on the suits. What I've been waiting for." And they're like, "Yep, yep, great, great." First yeah. of all, here's a g-string <laughs> because we can't have any like visible panty lines. Yes. And it's so you get these horrible dancers g-strings. So it was like really. Really, a double-edged sword of like, yeah, <laughs> finally your dream's coming true, but it's the most uncomfortable dream ever. Yeah. Um, and so we did the we did half the season, and we were like, this is great. And then over the Christmas break, Eddie Gazillion got fired. And we were like, what the hell? Yeah. And it was a bit ruthless. And, okay, most of, all, all the Rangers were kind of a bit gutted about it because we, we liked the way he was going with it. And, um, and yeah. Hmm. And so they they brought on a new producer, and uh, no one really felt the same. It was it was kind of a strange season for that reason because we kind of felt like ah oh, we didn't really we didn't really see out Eddie's vision. Yeah, there's a bit, and there's they've uh, the people that I work with have hinted that uh, there was a bit of controversy in New Zealand, Is that like a petition against the violence. Oh yeah, so that wasn't yeah. So it hasn't the, the show hasn't been on in New Zealand since the early nineties. Because kids were going to school and being like, hey, I'm a red Power Ranger. And then just smacking their friends in the head. <laughs> and that was like Power Rangers game. And so, and yeah, there was a big drive. And it was mothers against violence. It was like a, a group of, of mothers who were like a bit up, upset about the amount of violence on kids TV. And Power Rangers was like at the forefront of that. So really? yeah, it hasn't been on here, but it's been filmed here. That's kind of long time. So it is actually strange. still filmed. But so that's actually kind of strange. I mean, Power Rangers. It's really not that violent when you think about it. I mean, it's not, not a, too bad. Yeah, it's not too. They, yeah. I mean, they use violence to solve problems. Yes, well, that that is true. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point. I just, I don't, I don't, just don't, don't don't think me weird, but I do want to go back to this G string business. <laughs> so, I mean, you are you are basically essentially a bunch of kids. Yeah. In G strings. I know. It's very. It's kind very, of creepy. It's very creepy. <laughs> very creepy. But, but you got to wear the suit, though. I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. And people don't know about the G-string until you tell them. So <laughs> well, now everybody's going to know. Exactly. <laughs> this is Australia-wide. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, so then, um, now, I you just recently saw uh, Blood Punch. But, yes. uh, but that, so that was actually, I just recently, I saw that after Deathgasm, but it was filmed before Deathgasm. Yes, and I've got now. I've, now the reason I've done that is because not only was it filmed before, but it was also segues from Power Rangers because some of the Rangers are also in are involved. Is so the the other guy that's in the film with you is one of the Rangers as well. 
Yes, correct. So, yeah, on Rangers, we, we all got on real well with Eddie, and then he got fired, and we are like, oh, that sucks. And so we kept in touch with him. Yeah. And then a few months after the season finished, he was like, hey, I've written the script. Well, it must have been a year after, actually. And he said, like, I, I have you guys in mind for this. And so, yeah, we, I was like, amazing. So, yeah, we did it with me and Ari Boyland hmm. with, with Rangers, and we were in it. Um, and then Olivia Tennant, who was, like, one of the – she was, like – also, she was like part of them. She's like the Rangers boss, I guess. Yeah. She came over and played Skylar. So yeah, it was like a full on uh, Rangers reunion. Reunion, yeah. And and the writer, the writers and directors, they're they're a couple, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and and they wrote the roles for you guys. Yeah, which was very um, surprising. Well, it's kind of surprising considering who the characters are. <laughs> <laughs> they saw the true us. They saw it down to our soul. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it was? Um, well, yeah, I know we were quite shocked as well. But he just basically Eddie said, like, I just have, I just have faith that you guys can can pull this off. Hmm. Um, and I think for, for Eddie and Maddie, the writer and director, they've been writing like children's TV, like they've been doing cartoons and, and some live action for like a long time. Hmm. And I, Blood Punch was kind of a reaction to like on cartoons and stuff like there's a lot of you have to go a lot of through a lot of red tape and there's a lot of people saying what you can and can't write and it has to be safe for kids and so i think blood punch they were just like man we're just going to write our own thing and no one can tell us what to do no one can tell us that it's too far yeah. that it's too much we're just going to write what we want to watch and yeah. um and they and they did that but i think that's why blood punch is so intense is because it was kind of a a breakaway from those from those cartoon constraints. It is intense. It is. It's it's it's, it's kind of hard to describe. Is sort of what genre it sort of belongs to. I mean, it's sort of it's it ho- it's it's horror. It's clearly got horror elements. Yeah. But then it's got a it's it's got a bit of it's supernatural. Yeah. It's, you know, I, mean, I don't want to give anything away. But I mean, I don't want to spoil a spoiler <laughs> alert. But it's you know, it's got the super the obviously the supernatural element, and uh, but then it's got this sort of. I don't know it's just really macabre sort of sort of really sort of feeling to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's we've someone I was a reviewer or something described it as um, Groundhog Day meets Blood Simple, and we've always kind of gone along with that as yeah. like a way to describe it. That's awesome. That's uh, yeah, yeah. In That's, terms of in terms of inspiration, we watched um, Eddie and Maddie kind of made us watch. They forced us to watch. <laughs> um, we watched Double Indemnity in terms of the noir thing. Yeah. We watched now. What I'm trying to think of it. It's Ray Liotta. Is it something wild? Is that what it's called? Hmm, don't know. Man, radio does a lot of shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm on IMDb right now, but it's like a, it's like a love triangle, and he plays like a like a kind of a crazy, crazy ex boyfriend. Did you mean Did you mean Ray Liotta's in a lot of shit? As in he's in a lot of shit films, or he's in a lot, he's just, he has a very large body of work? Because yeah. we because we're good friends, you got to be careful what you say. He has a very large and impressive body. <laughs> no, he's in a lot of shit. Let's be honest. <laughs> I don't know the man. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So, well, double indemnity. I can definitely see that with the uh, you know the, the crossing and the double crossing and the triple crossing. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, that's definitely there. And and all of your characters are all magnificent. It's when I actually, I mean, I, when I first saw it, I didn't even know about your Power Rangers, your dark G-string Power Rangers history. <laughs> Um, but uh, now, now, now that I'm thinking about it, now, now that I know that, I've seen, I've watched the film again, and uh, it just it blows my mind. So like the fact that these characters were written for you, and especially Skylar, the, the Skylar character. Yeah, I think. Well, that was, yeah, that was <laughs> crazy. <I'm> not, <laughs> Olivia was really 
she was so stoked to get to get the chance to play that kind of role because uh, for someone like for someone like her, like casting just tend to put her in that in that like category of like cutesy like girl next door, and so she was like, ah, it's so nice to be able to play like a bit of a wild woman, you know? Yeah. Child, so she really loved that. Yeah, you all you all do you all do a great job. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, so what are your thoughts? Did you, did you, did you, I mean, it looked to me that you guys obviously enjoyed the production. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> except, except, except for some of the blood and stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting because we had we had done like a little trailer in two, must have been two thousand and ten. Yeah. We'd done a little trailer to like get uh, get attention for funding and, and stuff like that, and to just work out some some character things. So we'd shot little pieces, and that was really lovely. That was like a really small crew. Just like Eddie and his friend Ethan Pines were shooting it, and it was very small. And then when we came back in 2011 to do the big shoot, there was like a bigger crew. And then like that's when the day like the stress was on. Like we had to get two cameras because we weren't getting enough footage. Hmm. And it's quite um, it was quite stressful. A lot of a lot of stuff like went down. Like we were up in the mountains, and like from the first day there was like a snowstorm, and so like the lighting truck just got stuck halfway up the mountain. So oh. we had to like start a day late. And we were getting snowed in, and the wor- I guess the worst story, or the most intense thing that happened was the guy who plays um, Archer. He had come off like a, a flight, and so he was a little bit jet lagged, and then went up the mountain, which was I think the mountain was about like six thousand feet. Yeah. And he got what the hell is it called? He got a thing basically where he couldn't stop vomiting. Oh my god! And. People were like, oh, you got a tummy bug. And he was like, yeah, I think it's got a tummy bug. And he had, like, mad headaches. But basically what, has ha- what had happened was, like, pressure inside his skull had, like, gone AWOL. And his brain had started to expand. Oh, he decompressed. Yeah, he decompressed, dude. He, 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 he <laughs> so got, you got, it was like, like the bends. Yeah, you got the bends. That's exactly what he got. He got, <laughs> he got fucked up. And so they had to, like, ambulance him down to this hospital. Oh, my God. That is terrible. I don't know why I'm laughing. That's actually horrible. <laughs> He couldn't speak for like two days. He said it was the most intense pain he's ever been in. That's unbelievable. Um, and so then Eddie had to step in and like we had to shoot a scene that that guy that guy was only there for one scene and like he got he got super sick on the day that he was supposed to do that. So Eddie had to step in, like never done any acting before in his life, <laughs> step in and like play this guy from the back. Yeah, from the back. So yeah, there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of stuff. That kind of explains the performance now that now that we now that look back, because Archer is 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 crazy. Yeah, he's but crazy. That's pretty much the only sort of explanation you've got. Yeah. Oh, and the other, the other thing that happened to that that same actor who had the the bends. Yeah. Was before he came over, he had Bell's palsy, which um he doesn't really know what it's from. He didn't he didn't know what caused it. But basically, that's when half of like the nerves in your face. It's like yeah. you've had a stroke where half of the nerves in your face just shut down. Yeah. And one half of your face goes kind of droopy, so that's kind of why in the film he was just coming on, he was just coming out of it, but, but he still kind of looks like half of his face looks like a little. Where was this? Where was this place filmed so that we can tell our listeners to avoid it? <laughs> Idlewild. Idlewild, which is like the most quaint, like little charming, tramping uh, town up a mountain near California. Okay. In California. All right, you're already here, listeners. Avoid Idlewild at all costs. <laughs> at all costs. <laughs> Only bad things happen. <laughs> Um, yeah, so well, I, mean, I, I think you all did a, do a magnificent job. I actually really, really enjoyed Blood Punch. It's, it's, oh, um, it's a, uh, it's, it's something a little different, you know what I mean? And I just, I, and as I think, I think the the story just takes like an interesting turn. Like it starts off. I mean, the the start, the start is hilarious, which she says, <laughs> Skylar shows up at the at the anonymous meeting, 
and then basically just takes them to town, you know. And she's like, "Well, I'm here to get some grade A, grade A smack or whatever it is, whatever yeah, she yeah. says." And I'm just like, "What? I mean, why has no one ever said this before? This is, this is genius. <laughs> I mean, where, that's the that is the place you would go to get that sort of stuff. It's, it's great. Yeah, I, know. Well, I think yeah. Eddie was Eddie was a big fan of like those. He's a big fan of like those genre films. Yeah. And so he digs that kind of that kind of dialogue that kind of slaps you in the face. Yeah, no, I, that was the first scene. He, he sent us, like, when he first sent us the script, he sent us, it was like a kind of a draft of that first scene. Yep. And um, he was like, hey, check it out. What do, you, what do you guys think? And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. It's going to be, like, a nice little story. And I started reading it. And it's like, <laughs> Liv getting, like, felt up by a guard. And just, like, stabs a cigarette out of this dude's eye. And she's, like, swearing. And I'm like, holy shit, man. It's crazy. <laughs> anyway, it, was, it was, like, a... Uh, surprising, surprising thing to read. A shocking thing to read. Yeah, I do actually have that's actually, that is that's actually my second favorite scene. Right. Um, before I tell you my favorite scene, do you have a favorite scene? I the favorite one for me to perform was when I finally uh, changed the power. What, what would you call it? When 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 I have Ari uh, tied up to a chair. Oh yes, dude, I love I, that was so fun. Yeah, we, so fun. we're in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like like the total flip of your character. It's like like you but you're being you're being generally mild mannered up until this point. Yeah. I mean you're a pretty easy going guy. Yeah, yeah. And and uh I mean at least your character is. I don't know how how messed up <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah. I have no idea. Um, but uh, but yeah, but then and so you just think yeah, he's he's not going to do anything. He, he's he's a, he's a paper tiger. Nothing's going to happen. And then you and then it's like <laughs> you reveal like the three bodies and I'm like, "Holy shit." <laughs> Yeah, dude, that was so fun. Eh? That was the that was the whole that was the best thing about that about that film was getting able to play that massive arc of that character, you know, and to show two sides. That was so cool. As part of the as part of the inspiration for that character, they're like, Oh, you should check out Straw Dogs, the Dustin Hoffman character is very similar, like arc. I was like, Oh, cool. Hadn't heard anything about it. Went to get it out of the video store, the guy at the video store was like, Straw Dogs, great film and I was like, Huh, this is gonna be cool. Yeah. This is gonna be really awesome. And so take it home I'm like by myself I'm like oh watch that watch that straw dog I'm saying cool chuck it on I'm like yeah it's going pretty good Dustin Hoffman and his wife and, and then it gets up to, I don't know if you've seen straw dog yeah I've seen I've seen that in the remake uh, oh the remake yeah anyway yeah. it gets up to the the big scene in the middle of the scene why it was banned in England yeah. and I was like sitting alone by myself being like holy shit just losing the will to live <laughs> but I was uh, yeah that was that was a uh, that was a big it's intense like, it was very yeah. intense and very horrible yeah, that's awesome. I like, I like this is your inspiration. Uh, well, all right, well, this is uh, this is the, the the perfect time to move on to uh, the one I've been waiting for. Our listeners have been waiting for one of the greatest film titles ever. <laughs> <laughs> Deathgasm, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. What do you what are your thoughts on how do you think Death, Death, Deathgasm worked out? Deathgasm, I when we were filming that, I was like. This gonna be is this gonna be watchable? Like I don't know. Like, it, it was we were we were on a tight schedule. The crew were like we we're doing overtime. The crew were like, man, this is insane. The director, it was like his first feature. He'd done she'd done short films, but he won that competition, make my horror film competition, sponsored by the New Zealand Film Commission. Right. And so it was like it was full on, man. The shooting was full on. Yeah. <clears throat> but. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy with how Deathgasm turned out. I think it's a great film that you can get like a bunch of beers yeah. and sit around with your mates, and like it's a great party film. Yeah, yeah, oh, totally, totally. It's, it it harkens back to 
there's sort of like those classic 80s horror films um we have you know the ridiculous stuff like the yeah, the the hidden track in the music summons the demon and yeah. yeah all that sort of stuff you know so and then sort of sort of combined with so early peter jackson sort of brain yeah, yeah, dead dude, exactly yeah brain dead type stuff where it just you know it's just i mean the scene where they're <laughs> the scene where you kill the uh your your brother your half brother or whatever your step <laughs> your stepbrother's like and you're like it's i'm pretty sure he was possessed, possessed. he's like no dude <laughs> it's like yeah. you know and combined with you know like the death by dildo and you know it just yeah dude oh it just it just goes crazy i just i, I love all that i love the entire film yeah, I mean, I, I just love that it's like a really upbeat and kind of fun vibe. I think mainly due like to the to the soundtrack and like, mm. but yeah, no, I, it, it did hit something and it hit that. There's like a an audience was ready, you know, the metalheads who like horror were ready for a film like that. So I think it it kind of hit that nerve and then just kind of took off. Which and I they think. they needed it because there's not a lot of good musical horrors. There's not. There's not. It doesn't really work. No, but uh, but this one does. So, it's, it's, do you so you know a couple of the questions that have to be asked? I know they're pretty boring interview questions, but they have to be done. Okay. Can you actually play guitar? Mm, no, no, I can play like a C and a B. <laughs> okay, that's enough to get by. <laughs> that's all you that's, need. That's all Nirvana did. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and are you actually into sort of like heavy metal music? I I wouldn't call myself um, a heavy metal fan, but I because of Blood Punch. I mean, sorry, Deathgasm. It made me more aware and kind of got me more into it. I'm like, I'm pretty into Beast Wars, which is a New Zealand heavy metal band. Cool. And uh, when I was growing up, I did the obligatory, like, I did the Metallica phase. Yeah. And I was also into um, Sepultura a little bit. Yeah, okay. Everybody went through the the Metallica phase. Oh, yes. The old master of puppets. Yes, yes. We've all been there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I'm, I'm pretty mild mannered, but even even if I own a copy of uh, Master of Puppets, yeah, it's kind of like an obligatory thing. It's one of those things. Yeah. All right, so have you got uh, a favourite scene from Deathgasm? Deathgasm, I really the the dildo fight thing was really fun. There's a lot of fun stuff, and also you chopping off chopping off the dude's head. That was super fun to shoot as well. That's pretty cool. Do you, ever, do you ever sort of keep in touch with any of the, the people that you work with on these things? I just heard from James, who awesome. played my offsider or my... Yeah. And he... <laughs> I could not believe this. Yeah. Uh, but he's training to be a real estate agent. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. That is very funny. I, was I, yeah, I actually that, was, was waiting sad. for you to say he was training to be a priest or something. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> but a real estate agent. Well, you know, you got to pay the bills. You have got to pay the bill. But I just imagine that guy turning up to show you like an open home. And I was like, would you buy a house off this man? I don't know if I would, but I love it. I love that he's doing that. Yeah, it's, it's a great, it's amazing. What, uh, have you got any uh, future projects in the works? So I just did a little guest role on uh, a film called Goodbye Pork Pie, which Ooh. was like a 70s cult film right. from New Zealand. And the son of the original director is doing a remake. Wow. And so I had a little guest on that. I just filmed that last weekend. That was fun. And then there's another, there's a low-budget feature called Mega Time Squad. That's which, awesome. Which is like, it's like an homage to Two Hands. You know that Heath Ledger film, Two Hands? Yep, yep. It's like, um, it's like Two Hands set in Thames, which is like a very small town in New Zealand. And it's 
also got a, a, uh, a little bit of sci-fi time travel thrown in to the mix. That's interesting. It's a very strange and interesting film. It's from this guy called Tim Van Damme, and he's a director, and he wrote it. He also did like a musical Romeo and Juliet, but it was like a rock Romeo and Juliet set Very in cool. like a um, set in like a caravan park <laughs> in rural New Zealand. Um, yeah, man, that's going to be interesting. He's got a very he's got a very singular vision, does Tim Van Damme, so that's going to be an interesting film. I can't wait to see that mega time spot. Is it? So you've actually already filmed that? Are you just waiting for it to come out? Yeah, I think they're just finishing off filming now. I played like one of the one of the mob's henchmen called Damage, who's going after the protagonist. That's very cool. Yeah. Do you, which sort of ro- sort of roles do you prefer? Sort of like the the uh, the darker sort of blood punch type stuff, or the you know the mild method that, that turns into a psycho, or the uh, <laughs> <laughs> or the uh, inevitably they're all psychos. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. I don't know. You could you could argue that Deathgasm is more of a heroic role. That's true. Yeah. But he does do some psychotic things. Yeah, he does what he needs to do, and and his, and his brother like, deserved like it. <laughs> Well, I guess that's true. Yeah, I guess you're right. Nah, he, uh, <laughs> I, he, I am really into the comedy stuff, eh? Mm. I find dramatic work very draining <laughs> and, and, and kind of boring. I really love, I love the comedy. Would you ever consider working with the Concords? Oh, if they, if they rang me up and said, would you like a role? I would, like, I would be around to their house before, before the phone had hit the floor, right? I would, like, <laughs> Running. It's hard to sort of being Australian. It's hard to sort of know just how popular they are. But they're they're practically gods in New Zealand, right? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah pretty much. What well, the interesting thing is, they've been around. We we've had them here for so long that they're like, I don't know. It's like it's like saying, oh, you guys like water? You guys into water? It's like yeah, we're fucking into water. We need that shit to survive. Like, like we yeah. It's kind of like it's just like ingrained in us to like them. I can I can definitely see you in a Concourse project. <laughs> we live Make in the- sure send send them a message. Send them a memo about it. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll look, you know, I, I'll, I'll call my people. Okay, they great. Can, they can talk to your people. <laughs> we'll work it out through there. Yeah, we'll get it done. Are you doing any? Have you ever been to Australia? Have you got any plans to travel here? I have uh, an aunt, or a couple of aunties, and a grandfather in uh, Australia. I'm it- coming over. Um, for a blood punch screening on the 25th of June in Melbourne. That's we're awesome. Trying, we're trying to do a screening in, in Sydney, and then I'm going to go up to Woi Woi, the beautiful Woi Woi, <laughs> um, to, to wish my grandfather a happy birthday. That's uh, awesome. That's, that's all in, like, early July. But, yeah, I've been, I, like, go back and forth fairly, fairly regularly, like, once every two or three years. This is not, this is not the same auntie that fell asleep during the... Yes, the yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> They're famous... <laughs> yeah, world famous. Hilarious. So, so you're coming for a blood punch screening? Yes. That's in. Uh, throw me some dates and times and contact details and stuff. If I had dates and times and contact details, I know. Okay, I know. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's on the 25th. Right. Oh, I. I'm pretty sure it is on the 25th. I'll, I'll, I'll confirm this. I'll, I'll. I'll. I'll find out. Yeah, let us all know. Let us all know. But uh, uh. Yeah, no, Les, Les will know more of the details because I will just um and ah because I don't really know. Okay, I'll figure it out. In fact, he's probably emailed it to me and I've just, and I've now neglected, I've actually failed in my interview duties. <laughs> <laughs> I should have this information in front of me. 
but I'll have it. I'll, I'll definitely have it. I'll have it as a little amendment to the uh, to the interview. But I'll be I'll be there, dude. If, no, I'll if, be, man. No, it would be nice if, to meet you in person. Yeah, if you don't mind uh, me coming up and fanboying. Big hugs all around. Oh my god, that'd be awesome. <laughs> my wife won't even care. <laughs> She'll be cool with it. That's great. That's good to know. That's and a screening in uh, Sydney as well. That's the idea. We're trying to line that up at the moment, but I think that's still in the works. Okay, cool. Why was there no screening for Deathgasm, goddammit? Well, I know. Well, we tried to get it, but it was too expensive. Oh. Oh, well, there but, you go. Uh, I, I, would, I would love to do a Deathgasm screening over there. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I'm not saying Blood Punch doesn't deserve it. Don't get me wrong. Hey, right, listen. No one's, <laughs> no one's getting offended yet. It's just, <laughs> just saying Deathgasm is a bloody great party film. <laughs> that's exactly, It's a party film. It's party a must-see. Yeah. All right, can I, can I throw some of the, uh, the, the standard interview questions at you? Please. All right, favorite film? Amelie. Emily. Emily. Really? Yeah. That is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the thing I was expecting to hear. Wow. I also, I also really dug um, her, that Spike Jones film. Okay, well, that's more like it. Yeah. <laughs> Emily. Now you've thrown me now. <laughs> <laughs> if there was anybody that you could work with, who would, you want, who would that person be? Uh, probably... In terms of actors, probably, you know, you can't go past Joaquin Phoenix. Guy's goddamn legion. Oh, he's unbelievable. Uh, and in terms of directors, maybe Michelle Gondry or something? He makes good films. Okay, cool. What about anybody dead? Oh, uh, anybody dead? <laughs> like historical. Um, Kurosawa or something like that. Oh, shit, yeah, Kurosawa would be mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, now Kurosawa, that'd be, that'd be so mean. Yeah. Yeah, lock him in. Jack, Jack, have you have you seen Inherent Vice? No, I couldn't stand that film, but because could, he he was them. in it, and I was like, uh, you know what, I'm still going to watch it because he's in it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sit through to the end just because he's the star. <laughs> was that who? Was that Paul Thomas Anderson? Yeah, yeah. He he makes he makes really good films, and then like the last third of his films, I kind of drift off. There you go. It's like you're in Boy Boy. I sit through the whole thing. <laughs> All right. Um, have you taken anything from any of your sets as a souvenir? Mm. Tell me you took one of the dildos. Nah, man, they were all wrapped up. The, um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> actually, the director was having a garage sale at his house, right? And he didn't realize that the box of dildos was in there. And he said he like saw someone. Like he realized the box was there. He's like, oh shit! And as he was going over to get it, he saw someone like get there before him, like open up the lid. Look around and then get and then get out of there. Like freaking out, you've been some sex maniac character. Um, awesome. Now I tell you what, we did do. Right. I think it's long enough now that it's not. not we're not going to get in trouble. But a couple okay. of my co-stars in Power Rangers, with the with the like with the sneakiness of a secret agent, they snuck into the wardrobe truck and they got us our Power Rangers jackets, and I think they also got some um, like we had like guns and stuff that the Power Rangers would carry around and so mm. he got us he got us a couple of those and I've always I've always been very grateful that he got that because um, they shred the suits every year no really this is what they told us I, I don't know if they do that but they were very they guarded the suits like they were gold wow yeah so you've got a, a gun and the jacket well, like a jacket like a leather jacket from Power Rangers but apart from that what else have I got holy crap yeah, those, that's awesome those are the two main things I asked that question because of uh, the classic Ryan Reynolds, who uh, he was so excited about Deadpool that he um, he actually stole one of the suits 
Holy yeah, shit. like they keep the suits. The suits are like you know twenty thousand dollars each or something ridiculous. <laughs> and they were like, they were like, Ryan, you got to take the suit off. And he was like, Try and make me take the fucking suit off. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that story. Just thought, so I thought, surely every other actor is taking at least something from one of the sets. Yeah, dude, it's a very, it's a very real phenomenon. Yeah, I know, I would. Yeah, shit, yeah. All right, so the uh, the, the patented NCP question. Yeah. Now you can have a bit of time to think about it if you need. If you were conducting this interview with yourself, what would be the one question that you wanted asked, and what is the answer? <laughs> I like that. Make me do all the work. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's laziness 101. The one question. Mm, mm, okay. Well, I'm thinking. I will, of course, edit this for brevity. We'll be here for the next two hours. Dead air. <laughs> one question. Okay. Let me. All right. Okay. Well. Lemmy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, let's do let's do the old let's do the old favorite. All right. Three guests at a dinner party. Ooh, the classic. Alive, alive or dead. Yep. And you'd have to go with some version of Jimi Hendrix. Some version of Jimi Hendrix. I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm saying, when you said I'm some version, I was like, he's, he's going to say Doctor Who or something? I get it. Was... <laughs> Jimmy, what do you mean? Like the, the, dr- the drugged out <laughs> version or the... Yeah, the Band of Gypsies or the Voodoo Child. You know? Oh, I see. And um, a particular era of Jimi Hendrix. I gotcha. Yeah. Jimi right. Hendrix, uh, an Eckhart Tolle. I love that guy. Wow. And a... an eclectic um, choice. Who else? Uh, I guess... Hitler, just to kind of balance it out. <laughs> <laughs> At least he made the trains run on time. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very interesting choice. Yeah, I think it would be an interesting conversation. No actors. No, I don't act. I've heard enough actors talk in my lifetime. Yeah, I spend, I spend too much time with actors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I've taken up uh, enough of your time. It's, it's, um, this has been absolutely amazing, dude. So it's been a pleasure. Pleasure That's... and an honour. <laughs> oh, pleasure and an honour. Yeah. My God. I, I don't think I should actually meet you in person now because I think they might be bum grabbing. <laughs> yeah, we've... <laughs> quit while we're ahead. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, all seriousness, I'll be able to control myself. Um, dude, I, I really I really appreciate your work and, um, and you know, the, the things that you do and I, I, I wish, you know, long career ahead of you doing oh, the things you love. You. I appreciate you watching the stuff that, that um, people put me in. It's very, uh, very nice of you. And, uh, yeah, so those people listening out there, Milo wants to meet the Concords. Yeah. Make it happen. And also, Pet Detectives remake. Let's get that. Ooh. Let's get that going. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much, man. You have a good night. You too, my brother. And uh, I'll see you at the screening. All righty, see you there. Take care, buddy. Bye. Bye. So that was Milo. What a legend. Um, I highly recommend that you t- that you check out uh, Deathgasm, Deathgasm, and uh, and Blood Punch. Now, uh, Blood Punch will be available uh, from JB Hi-Fi and other major retailers from May twenty fifth, twenty sixteen, and also uh, streaming on Quickflix, Fetch, Vimeo, that sort of stuff. Um, and there will also be a Blood Punch, uh, as you as you heard in the uh, in the interview. Actually, we didn't know the precise details of that, of that right then, but uh, I've now got the the actual details. There will be a special screening of, of Blood Punch. With Milo in attendance for a Q and A as part of Monster Fest uh, on June twenty fifth, 
I'll have the link in the show notes for you to jump on because it is you can't buy tickets at the door. It is online only. Uh, buying a ticket also gets you a, DV, a copy of the movie on DVD, I do believe. Uh, but the chance for me to uh, hug Milo is too good to ignore. <laughs> I will be there. I have to say that um, David did this interview uh, late afternoon after he, for work purposes, had been up at three in the morning. And he was pumped afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was very tired, but I was very excited. He was uh, he was a cool, cool dude. Now, something actually, something I actually do need to review. I did. I, I forgot to mention it during the interview itself. But during the interview, we talked. We we talked about um, how there was a petition to ban Power Rangers in New Zealand, and which was successful. And but what I didn't reveal was that one of the people that I work with, Andrew. It was his best friend's mum who started the whole thing. So there you go. I thought that was pretty, pretty intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> what Power a Rangers in New Zealand. Yeah, so Power Rangers... Uh, Milo was part of Power Rangers. It sounded um, like John Cleese. I know. <laughs> um, very... But Power Rangers very was, was being produced in New Zealand at the time, and uh, Milo was one was the Green Ranger, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Zippy or Ziggy, I think his name was. Um, and uh, there was a petition started that it was too violent. Um, for children, so to, to, to ban it, which was successful, it was banned from being shown in New Zealand, but still produced in New Zealand for many years after that. Because <laughs> I, I thought that you said that the new one was being banned in. No, no, the old one. Yeah, yeah so Power Rangers VR, I think. Uh, so that was uh, the interview with Milo, so let's now move on and finish up with our coming soon. Alright, coming soon, May 26th, we get. Alice Through the Looking Glass. No. The sequel oh, to Disney's Alice in Wonderland movie. Which sucked. It it was it was shit. I and didn't this, mind and it. this looks shit as well. Yeah. I know it's quite dark, but I can't. I don't I, I don't mind dark, but it was it. it might as well, might as well just been called the Mad Hatter through the looking glass. I mean, also there was none of the things, Chronicles of Wonderland or yeah. there, there was nothing in it that made it intrinsically Wonderland or Alice. Like there was none of that witty wordplay or clever absurdity that you know that I that I love about Alice in Wonderland. Spot on. It was none of it. Yep, it became a, a, the same as any other fantasy movie. Uh, the Hunt for Wilder People. It's the new Taika Waititi. It is. Yes, it is indeed. Starring Reese Darby and Sam Neill. Yes, I am actually looking forward to this. There you go. I didn't even need to say anything. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my job was done for me. And uh, last but definitely not least, the Nice Guys, the new Shane Black. I'm also curious about comedy this one as well. slash action with Iron Gosling and uh, Russell Crowe, and I very much want to see this. Well, that's like uh, really bread and butter for Shane Black. Yeah, buddy, buddy stuff. Well, yeah. that's buddy, 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 buddy crime drama. I don't comedy. mind the buddy mm. comedy, buddy cop, got yeah. buddy crime. As long as it's not, as long as it's not Air Bud, I'm cool with it. Yeah. Air Bud, uh, uh, lethal weapon. Isn't Air Bud the one with the dog? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad somebody picked up on it. And that's it for episode 196. Yay! Thank you very much for joining us. 196. That's it for me and the crew. Grizzle. This episode was brought to you by the numbers 196. Richard. 196. Seriously, wall in happy feet above Toy Story? It is a bit of a worry. (laughs) You've been listening to NCP. Thank you for being a part of our crew. If you would like to support the show, you can use the Amazon widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. If you have any feedback, please go to nerdculturepodcast.com forward slash contact us where you will find a list of the many different ways you can interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.